Let's take a minute to talk about the student loan conversation. Welcome to another episode of Tiny Leaps, Big Changes, where I share simple ideas to help you improve your life in under 15 minutes. My name is Greg Clunas, and one of the big topics of conversation lately is student loan forgiveness. Now, President Biden obviously very recently announced his plan for forgiving up to $20,000 in federal student debt, and the internet has been ablaze with conversation. People aren't really sure if this is a good idea or a bad idea. The people that benefit from it, of course, feel it's good. They feel that this is going to help them move forward. And full disclosure, I'm part of this group. The people who don't benefit from it immediately feel that maybe it's not a good thing. How is this going to affect their taxes? How is this going to affect any number of other things? And so in this episode, in general, I want to share my thoughts on student debt forgiveness. And then I want to have the conversation around what I think we should be thinking about, whether you are directly benefiting from this right now or not. So I have, or at least when I I first graduated college, I had about $100,000 in student debt. To make matters worse, about half of that debt was federal, so about $50,000, and the other half was private. And now, when I went to school, when I, I first graduated high school, I got scholarship offers from a number of private schools. However, I was not in a position to take advantage of any of those offers without taking loans. The scholarships did not cover the entire cost of tuition. For those of you who listening who don't know, I'm an immigrant. I moved to the US when I was eight, and my, my family has worked their ass off to get my life and my sister's life to a place where we had some opportunity. And I'm incredibly grateful for that. I had the opportunity to go to a good school and gain a degree and give myself the chance to get a good job and to to add value to the to the economy and to the marketplace. I chose the school that gave me the most amount of money. That was the responsible thing. They're going to cover a large portion of that tuition cost, room and board, all of those things. So great, I'm going to go with that choice. And one of the things that made this even harder was that I was graduating high school in 2010. And so the country was still very much recovering from 2008 and the massive recession that I believe we were still in at the time. And so getting those loans was actually quite difficult because my my family, my parents and my sister and actually multiple of my siblings at the time had actually had to declare bankruptcy as a result of the the recession that we were in. There were so many financial roadblocks stopping me from being able to take advantage of the scholarships that I'd earned, that I had worked my ass off in high school to be able to gain. Um, I was able to figure out a solution and I was able to get the loans that I needed, but they did not come cheap. The loans that I, I was offered and that were really my only options, the private loans, my lowest interest rate at the time was I believe 10% or like 9.5 or something like that. So it was incredibly, incredibly expensive. Now, I don't know if you remember being 18 or maybe you're 18 right now. 
I did not fully understand how the loan system worked. I did not fully understand what an APR actually meant or how all of that would play out in 5, 10, 15 years. No 18-year-old really fully understands that unless they come from a family with a background dealing with those things. And as I mentioned earlier, I was an immigrant. We moved to this country and we worked our ass off and we tried to build a life. But that means there were pieces of the American experience that was missing. I didn't grow up in a household where my parents had taken out loans to do anything. My, my sister went to the local community college and so she was able to get a job with a two-year degree as an associate nurse, something that is no longer possible, at least in the state of New York. You now need a four-year degree to do that. And so... For me, my options, I needed to go to a four-year private school. And so I took the loans and I went to college and I graduated on time. I actually graduated magna cum laude. Was it? No, cum laude, excuse me. I graduated cum laude, like the level below magna. And I did well. I, I, I did well. I got my first job. That first job paid $42,000 a year and I was living in New York City. So $42,000 a year. I now have loans that have been growing at a 9.5% rate. Some of them were actually higher. Some of them were 13, but at least minimum 9.5% rate per year for four years. And my first job out of college is paying $42,000 a year. So I, I gained the skills I needed. I learned what I needed. I offered value in the way that I could. And the market just wasn't there. People were not paying that much for anything outside of finance degrees. So jobs that were paying a decent amount of money when we first got out of college was not available. It was, it was not really that, that much of an option. And for the type of work that I was doing, I kind of needed to be in New York City. And, and so my cost of living was extremely high. Then you factor in having the three, four, five hundred dollars a month, actually believe it was five hundred at the time for my private loans, plus then another two or three for my federal loans. And I, I, I wasn't living by myself. I had a roommate and then I moved in with my, my then girlfriend, now fiance. So I was splitting costs everywhere that I could. But you just really couldn't make any real progress. And so where that leaves us is today. I finally was able to get my credit to a place where I refinanced my private loans a few years ago and was able to get those interest rates down to about four or 5%. My federal loans have been pretty low for the entire time that I've had them. And so those are being paid, or at least right now they're not because of the federal pause, but you know what I mean. And my payments per month are when, when you add back in the federal loans are still like five or $600 a month. And I'm, I'm thankfully making enough now that I can manage that, but there's very little room to pay anything extra. And so really all I'm paying is interest. Really all I'm doing is stopping it from growing that quickly. There is no opportunity, zero to actually get out of debt. My money is accounted for by the bills and, and general sort of life sustaining tasks that I have, but then also the five or 600 that goes directly to repaying those loans. Loans that quite honestly were issued at a time when everyone knew those jobs were not going to be there. These loan companies issued loans at high interest rates 
for the purpose of saddling people who they knew would never be able to repay it. That is why they made the change so that bankruptcy does not get rid of student loan debt. So all of this is my personal experience. But what is the big conversation here that I think we need to be having? See, on multiple sides of this argument, we hear people like me who have been saddled with student loan debt for years. It's going on a decade for me. Many people are even further um, who have been saddled with this for years and unable to make any progress in our lives because of these loans and because of how poorly the labor market really pays. So you have that side of the argument that is obviously benefiting from this kind of forgiveness. Then you have the other side, and that is made up of people who were able to pay off their loans for any number of reasons. I know plenty of people who moved back in with their parents because that was an option for them, and they didn't have to pay rent for years, and so they paid off their loans. Or people whose parents didn't go through bankruptcy right when they were getting into college, and so they were able to get loans that had decent interest rates from day one. Like I know plenty of people who've had that experience, but that is not the norm. So you've got those people who were able to through their own hard work, but also through some degree of luck and fortune that is not widespread, pay off their debt. And those people, a certain percentage of them are now angry because they worked really hard. And so why should someone else get a free pass? And I understand that feeling. I really honestly do. And then on the other side, you have people who just feel that, well, you made an agreement and you should have to honor that agreement. The federal government shouldn't step in to relieve you off of a, a uh, 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 promise that you made that you're not able to keep up with. And honestly, I don't really understand that one because that happens all the time. The big example that people give is that the, the PPP loans were forgiven. Debts paid for because of the 2008 crisis, like we, we bailed out these companies. So this happens all the time at a corporate level. This happens all the time for wealthy people, but for the regular population, for some reason, it's not allowed. So I don't get that argument. The one I do get is I had to work really hard. Why should someone else get it for free? Now, here's what I want to present. Paying that off is only going to lead to a better economy. It's going to lead to an entire generation of people having more money to spend in the economy. And what that means for you as the person who worked really hard and paid off your debt, nothing changes for you except there is now more money in the economy that can trickle to you. You have more access to capital by working hard, by putting in the work, by getting a better job, by whatever way. You have more access to capital if we have the ability to add more capital to the marketplace. Right now, that money is not going into the marketplace. But if that money was freed up, if that money was something that we could just put into the market, how many more people would buy homes? How many more people would buy products for those homes? How many more people would start businesses? How many more people would have the opportunity to spend at their local businesses, to go out and support somebody else, to take vacations? Whatever industry you are in, it's going to be touched by this because more people having more money to spend means you having more customers or more opportunity to make more money through your job or whatever it is. This is a net positive for everyone. So that's my view. And quite honestly, I do benefit from this plan, assuming it's able to pass. 
And I hope that it does go through because I think ultimately it's going to be good for the economy and good for everyone involved in that economy. But I do think it's important to understand that this is not just a simple question of borrowing money that you are now refusing to pay back. There are so many other macro and microeconomic forces at play here that we could not have predicted as 18-year-olds. There's no possible way we could have understood that. One day I will pay off my loans, whether this passes or not. It's just the question of, do you want an entire generation of people to never be able to contribute back to society? That is what's at stake. That is what the risk here is. By leaving an entire generation shackled to the debt that they had really no choice but to take, what you're risking is the ability for that generation to make society better and to actually hold some kind of power, some kind of value to being able to improve the world around them. That's what's at risk here. Anyway, those are my thoughts on the student debt forgiveness and my personal story. But I'd love to hear your thoughts and your story, regardless of where you fall in the conversation. Leave a comment on the video in the comment section. If you're listening to this, head over to YouTube and leave a comment. Just let me know what your experience with this has been. Thank you for being here. I've been Greg Clunas. And remember that all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day.